This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Well, hello and welcome to the Five Live Formula One Big Quiz of the Year. My name is Steve Ryder. It's probably 10 years since I was in the front line of Formula One sports broadcasting, if that's what you actually can call this. <laughs> uh, but I'm delighted to be joined by the Five Live F1 team, um, who, via the help of this quiz, are going to uh, inform me of what the heck has been going on during the course of this 2019 season and I in turn will enlighten them as to how things were so much better in my day. (laughs) Uh, When I was approached by the BBC to do this, I thought this is fantastic, we'll be in the uh, uh, the sort of wonderful spiritual surroundings of Broadcasting House or up in the high-tech campus of Salford. We're actually on the first floor of a pub in Putney, (laughs) which... um, Says, says everything about the journey that the corporation has taken since my 15 years uh, departure. Um, but we have got um, uh, three teams carved out of the Five Live uh, F1 team, so there's no problems with understaffing. Um, there's a cast of thousands here. We've got Team Gow, presenter Jenny Gow and commentator Jack Nichols, uh, partners together in Team Gow. Team Palmer, former F1 driver Jolian Palmer, welcome, and commentator Alex Jakes and Team Benson, which is the BBC's chief Formula One writer, Andrew Benson, and pit lane reporter, Claire Cottingham. Uh, and I should say that the, uh, the quiz will be conducted under the, um, uh, the regulations for next year. Uh, and looking around, <laughs> looking around the table, there's a, a very strict budget cap clearly uh, <laughs> in place as to no one's bought a bloody drink yet. Anyway, and if we can get rid of that horrible music... Uh, which is burbling away, we can get on with the quiz. But let's just have a chat first of all, because uh, the questions here in front are really just a prompt uh, for whatever you want to say about the season. Uh, And I know we get to the end of a season and all the sort of marketing people and the sponsorship people say, that was wonderful, the best Formula One season we've ever had, exciting, exciting, exciting. Well, it wasn't that, but Jenny, how would you rate the 2019 Formula One season? I thought it was all right. Don't go too harsh on it. We actually had battles in races. Considering it was almost the worst, it wasn't one of the worst. That's a heck of a compliment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, it, it, the title was done by June. There was no real point turning up to the Grand Prix. But each time you did, you got quite an entertaining, self-contained race. So, yeah. on paper, terrible. In real life, not bad. Yeah, the entertainment was there, but you had to look hard for it. The battles were there, Julian. Yeah, oh no, I actually thought it was pretty good. Apart, if you take away the championship, I actually <laughs> like the thing that everyone's there for. Then it was a, a so pretty the f- good the, season. The food was good. The social life was yeah, good. The I thought, yeah, I yeah, all aspects. Yeah, just company was really. terrible, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Company, but there we go. Beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> so to sum up, <laughs> you take away the racing, and it was a cracker. No, quite the opposite. The racing was brilliant, but the championship battle was terrible. Yes. Hamilton had the championship tied up by June, basically. and But the races carried on being, well, the first few weren't brilliant. But after the sort of Mercedes domination of the first eight, which was partly aided by Ferrari shooting themselves in both feet but at every opportunity. Uh, after that, there was a succession of fantastic races, include, you know, all for the lead, um, with some great young drivers coming out challenging Hamilton. And uh, it had everything you wanted apart from the championship Mm. battle. It's given us some fantastic ingredients for the seasons to come. But we must start with Lewis Hamilton, world champion once again. Was this his best overall performance as a driver, would you feel? I think it might be. On behalf of Team Palmer, I'm declaring that I think this might be his best season ever. Probably is his best season ever. I mean, I am on Team Palmer. I kind of disagree. No. (laughs) Mutiny in the ranks immediately. Absolutely perfect. (laughs) Palmer's teammate disagrees with him. I'm kind of with Jolian. It was his most impressive, but it wasn't his most spectacular. You put it like that. He did some great drives, but none that made you go, wow. But as Steve says, it was a connoisseur type of thing. He just performed on such an incredibly high level for such a long time that I don't think he's done before. But there weren't the peaks like Monza 2018 when he was just just destroyed everybody. And the counter-argument, Alex Jakes? Counter-argument is that... Why are you looking at your paper there? There's nothing written down. It's a blank piece of paper. (laughs) (laughs) They're the best shine. It's a lot like the answer you're about to hear. (laughs) 
no, I think his best season so far has been when Ferrari re-emerged and you heard him breathless on the radio and you could see how much he was relishing it. So I think his best year is 2017, but personal opinion, let's not fall out this early <laughs> oh, I in proceedings. Well, that's the whole point of the programme. <laughs> so Lewis Hamilton, well, that forms our first question. Uh, we mustn't forget that this is a quiz as well. Lewis Hamilton now just one away from equaling Michael Schumacher's record of seven world titles, as we know, after clinching title number six. So we asked his boss at Mercedes, Toto Wolff, to pick a race or a qualifying session where he was really dialed in, uh, and it says he flirted with perfection. So I need you to tell me what was Toto's answer. Try to anticipate what Toto said. And to help you out, his answer may not have been from this season. There's a bonus point for telling me how many career pole positions uh, Hamilton has. So while they're all confirming, Hamilton ended the season, of course, with 11 wins, matching that previous best from 2014 and 2018. 17 podiums, matching the all-time record for a fourth time, as well as achieving five pole positions. What verdict do we have around uh, the room? What was it that Toto Wolff suggested was uh, the perfect lap, the perfect performance from Lewis Hamilton, possibly from this season, but maybe not? Uh, Jenny and Jack. We're going to say Singapore 2018. We might all be saying Singapore. It was was a class above anything else that I think we've had the privilege of seeing in Formula One. It was an absolute masterclass of how to do F1. Uh, And we've, we've kind of had a think about what to do for pole positions. This is a stat I should know, and it's a stat that's actually in Absolutely my green book to my right, but I'm going to go with. Now, we've got a disadvantage here of going first because everyone else can just you know, add one We're minus copy one you. from well, our We'll go around the other way in a minute, but go on. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's not higher or lower. Like, it's not yeah. like, we're yeah. going to say the number. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for 74. Jolie and Alex. Well, we thought it was going to be qualifying from Singapore in 2018 as well, because that's the only time, that's the first time Toto Wolff went on the radio and said, wow, that was something special. So it's the first time he'd directly gone on the radio to him. But team, team Palmer are going off the cuff, actually. And <laughs> With, Have you told Alex this is happening? Sorry, Alex. The team is Alex, named just after so you know, him. Team he Palmer, gets total control. Decision. We're going off the cuff. And we're going to mix it up. And we're going to say Monza race 2018. That's what Toto... Monza, that's right. what he said was Lewis's best. Okay, so you're going for the Italian Grand Prix... The Italian Grand Prix 2018. 2018. Yeah. You're going for Singapore 2018. I'll say if Toto doesn't, if Toto hasn't said Singapore 2018, he's changed his mind since I last spoke to him. So Singapore, (laughs) so Singapore 2018 from us too. Sorry, Um, who who gave Benson the questions early? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He phoned every single one of his contacts. How many polls has Hamilton got? How many? Yeah, total of pole positions. You're not asking a question. Ninety-three. Ninety-three. We we didn't answer that, but I think too slow. I think he's got eighty-eight. Claire, Claire, what are you going with? You oh, I, no, is I'm it team orders here? Yeah, I'm I'm team Benson, so I go for ninety whatever he just said. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you are the perfect number two. Thank you. Uh, right, let, <laughs> is that a compliment? I don't uh, know. That's, that's team support. <laughs> okay, uh, those are the opinions of uh, everyone here. What was Toto's verdict as uh, perfection from Lewis Hamilton? I'm really bad at remembering uh, single race events. We are moving at such a fast pace that you almost forget about it and you, you think about the today and the tomorrow. So I couldn't tell you one. I, for me, outstanding, and this is a boring answer to your question, is last year's Singapore race where he was criticized of jumping continents uh, on a racetrack that we weren't performing well. And then he put in a lap that was just mind-blowing. But this season, I have a um, blank so Toto was correct. It was a boring answer to the question. And, uh, we were right, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah, who said Formula One is predictable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the perfection he achieved that day. Um, Singapore. I mean, what do you remember? I mean, you, you, you picked out Italy as well. Uh, I just went for a less boring answer, if I'm honest, Steve. But um, it, was a, it was just a, a very good pole up against the odds. Ferrari were, were coming up. But... Um, I'm pleased that we've kicked off the 2019 season review quiz with an answer <laughs> straight out of 2018. <laughs> well, let's talk about Lewis. I mean, he has, he has talked about this season. He, he sort of regards it as a kind of work in progress, a kind of work of art. He's, uh, and he's building up to this um, sort of historic climax to his career, possibly next season with matching Michael's record. Um, is it too early to put him into the context of the history of the sport at this stage? I think it's difficult to. For me, I put him 
I kind of put him above Schumacher and Senna as the greatest of all time because he doesn't have any of that questions about him, any of those questions where you had Schumacher crashing into Hill in 94 and um, Villeneuve in 97 and parking at Raskas in 06. And you have all the similar questions about Senna and Prost. Then, okay, there were differing pressures that maybe Hamilton hasn't had. But he lied to the steward once. In 2009. That's what stewards are there for, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you must have... Have you ever lied to the stewards, actually? No. Um, <laughs> in fact, have I? Have you? Have you ever, like, bent probably, the truth I've a probably bit, told a like, porky. Told a porky rather so, than a lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well... So this is the thing. From the best drivers to the worst drivers, all of them lie to the stewards. That's what we've right, been Who have you, have you spoken to? <laughs> <laughs> you said, that's what we've <laughs> spoken <laughs> across saying, the whole spectrum. I'm just saying, that's what we've done. Merry Christmas, Jolian Barr. So that's about... That's about um, the King worst. Gow needs to pipe down. <laughs> that's about the worst of it we've seen from Hamilton, and I think for me, that's what puts him. Everything he does is pretty clean and fair, and and that's what I really uh, admire about. What difference have you seen? Because you were there on the ground in the very early Hamilton years of '07 and '08. Well, I mean, I'm not qualified to talk about him as a driver, but to talk about him as a person, when he came into, well, I knew him uh, ahead of Formula mm. One, uh, of course. Uh, and when he came into Formula One, he he was an innocent. And um, I remember we talked to Ron Dennis about how we should handle, you know, this great British talent. And we desperately needed some kind of box office element for the ITV audience as it was in uh, those days and we said right we need to talk to to Lewis every single race every single weekend I remember Ron said no 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 you can you can maybe talk to him every three months or something like that and we said well no we, and Lewis himself volunteered that I will sit down with you for half an hour on every Saturday afternoon wow. and we'll talk about anything and it doesn't need to be about Formula One it could be about music it could be about football it could be about and eventually it, it, it became about personalities and his own sort of introspection about the sport and I remember one spe one spectacular day when um, when it all kicked off in in Hungary mm. with with Fernando Alonso in the pit lane and the whole uh, and it was going on for three hours and punches were flying and everything <laughs> else uh, and everyone was was issuing contrary statements and uh, and then in walked Lewis at seven o'clock in the evening um, where do I sit down for my interview Wow, really? and he and he sat down and he ripped everyone apart. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and from then on, and you see him now. I mean, I do see the the sort of spontaneous side of him has disappeared a bit. Uh, the marketing has taken over, and and the activities outside the the sport, which do him credit, to be honest, uh, seem to be defining him a little bit more than what he does behind the wheel. I don't know what you think, but... Do you get half an hour every every weekend with Lewis Hamilton and Andrew? <laughs> to talk about anything. Half an hour every year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think he's become, as a, as a driver, to pick up on your point, Jack, um, he's become less mercurial, but much more rounded, mm. to the point where I think you would have said, even early in his career, that he's... As you, you you could make the claim he's as fast as Senna as much as you can compare from one yeah. generation to the next. But you might not have said then he's as good an all-round driver as Senna. But I think in the last couple of two, three years, he's moved on to a separate, another level in, within himself um, in terms of completeness. And I think now he, would, he stands comparison with anybody from the history of the sport. I think he defines himself as well now. Through all of his McLaren years, as you were saying, Ron Dennis helped define who Lewis Hamilton was. And his breakaway, his, you know... Um, the persuasion of Nicky Lauda and that Mercedes team for him to come across, the decision for him to make the move and start this sort of new chapter with a new team, I think has been really potent in his life. And it's given him a fresh lease of, OK, where do I want to go? What do I want to be? And what do I want the wider world to see me as? And when I first started interviewing him, you never knew what you were going to get from him. It was mm. very kind of highs, lows he could come out at you from total left field and you'd be left reeling going, I don't, I don't understand where he's coming from. But now he's grown as a person and you get this feeling that he is very secure in himself. He's quite happy at the moment within himself. And the way he addresses the media, the public, he is in control of all of that now. And it's quite rare, I think, that you get a media opportunity where he just goes off and probably regrets it. 
I can't actually think of any maybe from 2019. I can think of a couple 2018, but not really any from 2019 where you just went, ooh, that's that's going to hurt. I mean, he's now got another decision to make, hasn't he? And will history not be able to regard him as the complete achiever until he goes to Ferrari and achieves something at Ferrari? What is going to happen there? What what do you think? I, I would love to see him go to Ferrari. Love, love, love. Love it. It would be incredible. I don't know what, what to think, but I think he'd be mad to do it. I think that's... Really? I can't see why mad. he would. Yeah. Because he like wants he to win. I think he might, but he wants to win. And, you know, history would suggest, look at the drivers who've gone to Ferrari, saying what a great team it is, how legendary it is, you know, the history, and every driver wants to drive for Ferrari, and then they leave after five or six years just having become a bundle of frustration, and he's only got to look at his, you know his arch rival Fernando Alonso uh, to, to see that happen he should have had two championships with Ferrari but it didn't happen through various for various reasons Ferrari are not in the same position as Mercedes as a collective operation at the moment um, nothing like it and we've got to remember he's only get I say only if he wins next year as I expect him to he'll have he'll have equaled Schumacher in terms of championships if he wants to beat Schumacher in terms of championships which is the decision he may well be taking at that time. Is he going to back himself to do that at Mercedes or is he going to back himself to do it at Ferrari? And for me, there's yeah. only one Andrew, decision. Yeah. is Lewis better than Fernando Alonso? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Is he better than Sebastian Vettel, in your opinion? Miles better. Do you think he thinks he's better than Alonso and Vettel? Yes. So he might diff- think a, that a, he can go and amount. do... Fine, but he might think that he can go and do what they couldn't, therefore making himself the absolute... Do you think yeah. that's what Vettel yeah. thought? Do you think Vettel thought I can succeed where Alonso is not? I think Vettel thought I'll get away from Red Bull, oh, yeah, where true. Ricardo was. Yeah, but Alonso also wanted to get a top drive. But if Hamilton goes there, I think he would go there on the back of seven titles. He may well, he will be favourite for next year. He'll have seven titles. If he can go to Ferrari, do what everyone else has tried to do and failed, he is... For yep. sure, the, the ultimate, the, the best of all time. Yeah, I don't yeah. disagree with you. However, everything that Hamilton has said this season has been along the lines of, "I want to carry on with Mercedes. My future is not just Mercedes F1; it's Mercedes and the larger scheme of things." And I think it's—I've said this in programming. It's like a footballer in a testimonial. Why leave at the final hurdle? You, you stay with that team that he's now with, with Mercedes. He can claim he's been with Mercedes for the entirety of his career. And he goes out with a massive golden handshake. It's not about the money. Boring, though, isn't it? From Team Nichols, that's predictable. Though. <laughs> From Team Gao, it's the right answer. <laughs> Let's bring it back to the whole team element. And we'll, we'll talk some more about Lewis, I'm sure. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, career pole positions. What do we decide? Anyone, we had a 90, didn't we? We, we went had for 74. 74. We had a 90. We had a... 88. 88. Yes. Oh. Alex, well done. Oh. Spot on. Oh. This is a bit embarrassing for me <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you scored a point? Everyone's got one point. Oh, it's easy. Yet. It's easy. But the points don't matter in this That was a rubbish bag. We're going to go straight on to round two. Honda registered a 1-2 in the Brazilian Grand Prix with Max Verstappen winning in the Red Bull and Pierre Gasly taking second place in the Toro Rosso. When and where was the last time Honda scored a 1-2 with different manufacturers? Uh, And for two bonus points, I need with which drivers driving for which team? Team Gal nominates Alex Jakes. <laughs> Do you want a moment to think about that? It was only three at the time, so this is going to be somewhat difficult. Sticking with it. <laughs> so while you're thinking about that, let's have a thought also about Max Verstappen. Looking at a lot of the stuff that you've been saying and writing over the course of the season, it was a pretty close-run thing, Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton, for driver of the season. A lot of people went for Max. Didn't go for either, but there we go. Yeah, who did you go who for? Did you go for? Three guesses. Oh, Charles Leclerc. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles who? <laughs> <laughs> Leclerc. Not Leclerc. Yeah. No, apparently I get told, I get a producer barking in my ear every time I say the word Leclerc. Well, it's not Leclerc, it's Leclerc. Yeah. Jack. Verstappen's been really, really impressive this season. And some of it obviously is against your teammate and he's had two uh, teammates that have struggled a bit this year. So it's difficult to know. I think Daniel Ricciardo was a sort of better barometer, but... To me, the best part of Verstappen was the first six, seven races of the year where 
the Red Bull was the third fastest car. They didn't start with the engine they wanted to start with the season, but he would finish in front of one, if not both of the Ferraris, despite qualifying behind them because he just, okay, Ferrari didn't help themselves, but he got the most out of it. And I think that's all you can ask for. A race but regardless, I think he gives fireworks, which you don't see yeah. often with many drivers anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to see excitement and people have been saying Formula One is boring. Well, it's not anymore you know and we've said the championship was wrapped up halfway through the season but with drivers like Leclerc and, and Verstappen coming through it's been fascinating it's been yeah. good to watch and personality wise he's not boring he, he's, he, he's it. not predictable well Jenny what would you say he's quite tricky sometimes to to chat to he's a toe rag <laughs> he is an absolute <laughs> what toe are you talking rag about? to keep One it clean <laughs> Uh, when you're trying to do an interview with him. And even if it's an actual sit down and, you know, you can shoot the breeze and have your half an hour every Saturday like you used to have with Lewis, if you get your uh, 20 minutes days, yeah. with Verstappen <laughs> once a year. And, it, and he's still a canny fox, but uh, that makes him who he is. It makes him a great in our time. And the interesting thing is how he manages to to turn a garage in his favour. He did it when he was at Toro Rosso and he's doing it again at Red Bull. So much so that it, it makes the teammate uncomfortable. He's had two different teammates this year as well. And that garage, the management, the infrastructure is Team Verstappen. Whoever joins him comes in as a number two and will stay as a number two. Daniel Ricciardo is one of, you know, a brilliant driver. He's got great charisma. He's very marketable, yet he still ended up leaving Red Bull because Verstappen was able to turn that team in his favour. And that, along with his natural talent in a car, is potentially unstoppable if he's given the right car. I think it's the natural talent that's turning the team in his favour, though. I think that is it. He's, he's and his very dad. quick. And his dad? Do you not... He I don't has, think his dad's he turning has, the team in his favour. He has a whole um, package. He comes as a package. And Max is very strong in himself. His dad is very strong with controlling what's happening in Max's world. Yeah, but it comes down and to that outperforming, doesn't it? He outperforms his teammates, so the team then likes Did he outperform Ricardo? Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Dramatically? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not about his dad, Jen. In fact, they almost banned his dad after a while. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember the middle of last year when he was going through his rough patch. I did see you with your head in your hands um, when I was saying that. Going, but I think Ricardo's a really good point, because if you're an engineer, a mechanic, whatever, you're going to love Ricardo. Like, I would love to be friends with Daniel Ricciardo. You know you what would... I mean? Like, that would be great. But, but you... if you... So if you're able to sort of usurp that kind of charisma within a team, that's your talent. But the, Yeah, exactly. And he's done it through Agreed. force of talent, yeah. but also force of personality. And, his, and the two, for me, they're completely in lockstep together, his personality. The way he talks in interviews is exactly the same way he drives. He's very direct. He's very straightforward. This is the way it is. And... Some, and, and, and that's the way I see it, and th there is no other way to see it. It's, hearing him talk is almost like watching him drive in Austria when suddenly he sort of moved on to this new plateau, and it was like the race just surrendered itself to him, and you don't have to agree with him. Personally, it's a different thing in a conversation, but, but he... It, it's the same. Max Verstappen, that's just what he is. He's, just, he's a force of nature. It strikes um, me that more than any other driver, there's a bit of Senna there. And a bit of Senna's attitude and a bit I of Senna's self-belief. That's a very sharp observation. I think there's also quite a lot of Schumacher there. I can um, still make sharp observations. He reminds... <laughs> ten, year, ten years oh, look on. Look at Team Benson getting he extra points. He reminds me very <laughs> much of Michael Schumacher, actually. Yeah. Not just in the way he drives, but also in the way, just in the way he formulates language. Yes. Um, the, the, that sort of straightforwardness and the, 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 the manner of speech almost. But uh, You can imagine Verstappen with Sir Jackie Stewart going... Yeah. I no longer go yeah. for a gap. Yeah. I'm no yeah. longer a racing driver. You yeah. can Verstappen's the only one that you can imagine doing that sort of thing. Well, he says something. He says something similar, doesn't he? he says I'm not here so to make friends. I'm oh, just that, here that, to. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just here to. I'm just here to win. And uh, he's a he's a winning machine. And when he gets the right car, that's exactly what he's going to be. How do you feel Red Bull have handled uh, things in the garage this year? I, I mean, in particular in the context of the young driver scheme and. The, the switching of the number twos and so on. Has it been a complicated year? Have they handled it well? Have they handled it badly? Or is it Max's show again? 
Well, it's Max's team, and it's always going to be the car's going to be designed around him. And I think the hardest job in Formula One for however many years the Max Verstappen stays in the sport is going to be his teammate. They made a, you know, Pierre Gasly did not have the season he wanted, but he made a, I think Red Bull made a right mess of having a brand new race engineer there. There wasn't a lot of click there. And uh, we've seen pretty much the qualifying gap between Gasly and Albon being almost identical which I think is a, a worry maybe operationally from Red Bull's point of view. Because if they're going to win the title with him next year, they're probably not going to have the fastest car. They're going to need that second driver in play. And as for the young driver program, it's brought a lot of great talent through, but I think it's a driver program in, in name only these days. Yeah. Team Palmer's in agreement. Team Palmer's oh. absolutely in agreement. We're back on the same page. <laughs> First <laughs> time this do, season. <laughs> do you think Red Bull see that? Surely Red Bull have to see. No, hmm, we've got blinked, two young talents. They're both about the same off for step and maybe something is up, whatever, whether that be physically or like metaphorically with the second car. No, but I, I think they're blinkered by the young driver program. And, and they've got this one vision of a guy gets in a Red Bull through being in Toro Rosso and gets promoted. When was the last time they put someone in a Red Bull that wasn't in a Toro Rosso? Sebastian Bourdais was in a Toro Rosso, sorry, never in a Red Bull. Mark Webber? Maybe first year. When Mark they had, Webber? Was it Webber and, and Coulthard? 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 Coulthard. 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 So it's those, it's those you lose two. lose point. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're on minus points. Stop it. So the, that's, that's the problem. Because yeah. next year, Albon, I hope he can improve. And he, he showed a lot of potential. Was he a big upgrade on Gasly? No. In the, car was, was. the car was much better. Yeah, maybe. The car was much better. In Melbourne... Gasly qualified 17th or 18th, three tenths off Max Verstappen. That's better than the average of Albon, but Albon would do that and qualify fifth or sixth. And we'd all be saying, fine, you know, he's, he's inexperienced, etc." Gasly never got that break because the Red Bull car was worse early on, which made him look much worse than actually he was doing. And Albon had the, uh, the benefit of Red Bull being a, a solid race win contender at the end of the season. Fascinating. Uh, coming back to the question. <laughs> no, it was. It was. No, it was. No, thank you, Steve. I know. <laughs> I will say that was also a very sharp observation. Was, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but let's take you back to the question that we asked about 45 minutes ago. Uh, uh, Honda registering a 1-2 in the Brazilian Grand Prix, etc., etc. When and where was the last time Honda scored a 1-2 with different manufacturers? And for two bonus points, I need which drivers driving for which team? Let's start uh, with Andrew and Claire. Okay, look, I don't know, but... Let's move on. The best thing... <laughs> but, but my best guess is Detroit 1987 with Ayrton Senna in the Lotus and I can't remember which Williams driver might have been second, but I'm going to say PK. Team Palmer. Well, we don't know, <laughs> but I tell you what, we were going to say the same thing. <laughs> Show me the evidence. Yeah. <laughs> I got Senna and I'd nearly written PK down. By the A question time. mark. Yeah. But we, we, went, yeah. we went different year, different yeah. team. So we went 1988 yeah. and we went for, again, this is just off the cuff Palmer, Team Palmer stuff here. But we went 1988, I think probably Paul Rickard. And uh, Senna in the McLaren and PK was second in a different team. <coughs> right. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I will help Jenny and Jack just to say that you, that, 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 that you were oh. both wrong. Oh, uh, despite all the machinations. We were going to say the same. It, it is an open, <laughs> oh, it's an okay. open well, goal. Well, then you don't win. It's an open goal. The same as what? That's I, not what I've got written down. So no, that's no. Okay. I'm going to say, what did I say I would say? 86. So I said I would say 1986. Portuguese Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be... It's got to be Senna. Let's say Senna in the... What was he in in 86? A Lotus, Lotus Renault. Lotus Renault. So it wasn't Senna, Jenny, you idiot. Oh. Let's go for Mansell and... Are you allowed to say that? What? You just call me an idiot and it's a Christmas show. All right, well, we'll cut it out so no one's... <laughs> said it. Do we just let them keep guessing yeah, or just, what? Just keep <laughs> right, 86, 86, Portugal... Mm, Mansell <laughs> and um, Arturo Vidal. All you got wrong there was the year, the race, and the driver. Oh. Uh, Yay! Fair play. Give me high five. <laughs> if you got everything wrong. Yeah. In fact. Uh, the, the correct answer is the Italian Grand Prix in 1987. 
Nelson Piquet won it for uh, in, in the Williams Honda, followed by Ayrton Senna in the Lotus Honda. We got, got the, the year. right year and the right and the drivers driver. and the right team. You did. Yeah. You, you were closest. I will agree with that. You were, you were absolutely closest. I had closest. nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, so the scores after two rounds, we have Andrew and Claire with a total of three points, Whoop. taking two from that last round. Uh, one point for uh, Team Palmer from that round, making a total of two. And uh, Jenny and Jack, one point total so far. So yeah, far, uh, there is a lot to come. No, well, not a lot, but the, <laughs> <laughs> you've, enough. You've got some it's catching enough. up to do. <laughs> on to round three. We're off to the German Grand Prix at Hockenheim in July, and a poll on the BBC Sport website had fans voting that race as their moment of the season. Of course, we had intermittent rain, uh, six safety cars, two of them virtual. Race winner Max Verstappen made five pit stops. Toro Rosso's Danny Kvyat ended up third on the podium from 14th on the grid, plus multiple drivers fell foul of the slippery runoff area at that final corner. So the question is, which seven drivers failed to cross the finishing line? And there's a point for every correct driver. Okay. And Jenny is celebrating already. I have my book. I have my green book that's done the year with me. I'm not allowed to look. You're not allowed to look. Okay. No. So while you're thinking about that, um, well, the website fans had that German Grand Prix as the best race of the season. Uh, Who agrees with the website fans uh, on that? Jolien, German Grand Prix, best race of the season or not? Steve, good question. Best race of the season, yes. Good question, you might say. Sharp, sharp. Razor sharp. Best race of the season, yes. Best moment... A race isn't a moment. No, no it was. 90 minutes well, worth let's call of it moments. a race. How are you yeah. saying that was the best race? It wasn't the best race. Brazil no, was the best Brazil race. Brazil was by far the best race of the year. The BBC Sport website had fans voting that race <laughs> as their moment of the season. Fine, we disagree. Another good way of confusing the fans is... Well, well, it was a good well, race, race though. It had everything. It was a fun race that had a lot of things going on. And it was one of the races, right. I think, that maybe people that have been watching Formula One for a long time didn't buy into. But I think because of the entertainment value, I think it was a fun race. I don't think best race of the season, but I think fun. So, fun race. Best. Yeah. Look, it was the best race of the season because it, it, you didn't know from any second of the race what was going to happen mm-hmm. next. No second of that Grand Prix, you knew what was going to happen. You knew Verstappen was going to win it from about lap 25. Yeah, but well, even he, he spun. Backwards. Even he spun. <laughs> <laughs> on the wrong tires and three safety cars later and the leader had already crashed into the barrier. He okay. spun before lap 25. So hang on, Verstappen yeah. finished the race. Sorry, I just need to change. No, you didn't, you didn't know the Verstappen was going to win because every, people were making mistakes that you didn't think possible. Leclerc went a- off, Hamilton went off under safety car Bottas went off chasing Lance Stroll for a podium. Um, and then I'm not Hamilton saying it wasn't a good race. Again, it was a terrific race. I just think Brazil had more. And it, it had more random. and it has, exactly. I think that the randomness was great of Germany. Great, 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 great. Cool, fun, great, cool. But great. as a sort of a purist motor race, it was not. That was Bernie sprinkler system. That yeah, was crazy. Like, yeah, that's crazy. That. Yeah. Brazil, yeah, had passed two passes for the lead. The Ferrari drivers crashed. Isn't it sad that that's like a thing? A Toro Rosso driver finished second, holding off Hamilton to the line. Yeah, Hamilton made a mistake. For goodness sake! But guys, and guys, it, guys. You've, you're right in all of that. Yeah. That happened in the last five laps of a 70-lap Grand Prix. Silverstone was the best. The two moves <laughs> for the lead, one of, them, one of them happened in the first 55 laps. That's all that happened in the first 50 laps of that Brazilian Grand Prix. But you're, you're all blinkered because, <laughs> because wow. the end of the race was brilliant. You're and apart from that, Germany was cracking all the way through from the moment Perez was in the wall in the but first because of the rain, because of the I'll tell you what, though. And that's what makes an outstanding race. Isn't it great that we've got that's two races that can, that can create yeah. such debate about what, which were the greatest? Yeah. What, what, Jolien, what Jolien well. is at, actually describing in, in, in your enthusiasm for the German Grand Prix is the British Touring Car Championship. Every, oh, every single race is like that. What a plan. Uh, it's the FIA Formula E. <laughs> and we touched on where your career might lead you uh, in, in years to come. I mean, the British Touring Car In all seriousness... Is... I'm in the right place right here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, what, we were... End of last season, it must have been end of 2018, we had, a, we had a race the same weekend as the Brands Hatch finale. And we were sitting watching, and you were like, I'd love to race in BTCC. Oh. I would oh. absolutely love to race in BTCC. You s- come on, we were sitting watching touring cars on my laptop. Who would you, want as, who would you want as your teammate in touring cars? If you I'm, I'm now a bit worried what other yeah. private conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Live on the radio. Unbelievable. I, I covered uh, a couple of things you said this year. Uh, <laughs> 
I actually covered your father racing in the British Touring Car Championship. And there's, there's a wonderful clip, if you can find it. I have. <laughs> have you? He showed, you all, of us he showed us all in Melbourne, yeah. this clip. With a Swedish yeah. driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he took Netten Lindgren off at Riches at Snetterton. <laughs> and she got out of the car. She was like an avenging Valkyrie. <laughs> and, and she went for him with Swedish swear words and clouted him around the helmet. Now I can of... see why you're not in Formula One anymore. <laughs> oh. And, and is... this is why I might not end up in a touring car. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Mark Blundell. He had great fun last year. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's get your answers. Uh, A reminder of the question, which seven drivers failed to cross the finishing line in that dramatic, hugely entertaining uh, German Grand Prix? Point for every correct driver. I think we're starting off with Jenny. Jenny, Jack. So Team Gal are going for Hülkenberg, Bottas, Perez, Stroll, Leclerc, Gasly, Giovinazzi. I don't know how many. Uh, so that's five, wasn't it? Stroll's wrong, but yeah. the others are pretty, pretty. You're pretty strong. So oh, two wrong. Oh, I'm happy with that. Two, two I'm wrong. Yeah. I'll take that. Team Benson. We've got we've got Leclerc, Hulkenberg, Bottas, Perez, Daniel Ricciardo, Norris, and Gasly. And we've got the same. Yep, right. Same as same as Team Palmer. Yeah. Very good. We now have uh, Team Benson with a maximum of seven from that, which takes you on to a ten point total. Uh, team Palmer with a maximum of seven, you go on to nine. And uh, Jenny and Jack, uh, with five from that, you are bringing up the rear with six points. Uh, before we move on, um, I mean, there were some sad aspects uh, to the season, a tragic aspect to the season with the loss of Antoine Hubert uh, at Spa. And also, of course, we lost Nicky Lauder and sadly Charlie Whiting right at the start of the season. Antoine Hubert in particular, um, it was quite classy the way the sport handled that tragedy, wasn't it? Yeah, nightmare situation in... Belgium, uh, horrific to be reminded of the dangers of motorsport that all the drivers know, but thankfully due to the fantastic safety aspects of the modern sport, we don't get reminded of, but um, it was a horrendous, situa- uh, horrendous situation. And I think a lot of the Formula One drivers were in the media pen when it happened, someone doing interviews at the time, and you, you saw the shock immediately. Uh, yeah, he will be hugely missed by everyone in the Formula 2 paddock and his family. It's a tragic reminder of the dangers of, of motor racing, even in this super safe modern era. So Alex obviously does all the commentary for Formula 2. So you were actually on air yeah. when it happened. And in events like that, when there's a big crash, as commentators or in the pit lane, wherever you are as a journalist in that paddock or if you're watching on TV it reverberates around the whole place very, very quickly. And as you say, there were drivers down um, in the pen doing F1 interviews and and very quickly you got a sense of the severity of the accident. But, um, I mean, I've never had to do commentary on an accident. I've only had to present the results of that, what's happened, and it's a horrible thing to have to do. But to actually be able to commentate, through that and you know we, we were all there and we were listening to Alex and what he did and I have to say it's it's something you don't wouldn't wish on anybody but Alex did it incredibly well and I'm not just sucking up to team Palmer because they're beating us right now but <laughs> yeah it's a horrible it thing to have to do yeah and the fact that it happens comparatively rarely within the sport is is thanks in no small degree to the likes of Charlie Whiting who we lost uh, at the start of the season how would you sum up Jack Charlie's contribution to the sport <sighs> It's, it's, it's difficult to even know where to start because from when I started watching Formula One in 1996, something like that, he was Mr. Formula One then. You know, almost him and Bernie were the two that were running the whole thing. And obviously Bernie Eccleston left, but Charlie Whiting was still there overseeing it all. And I think the thing that surprised me was how much interaction you had as a driver with with Charlie Whiting. You know, I kind of assumed he was just sort of like a... Because what, you spoke to Bernie Eccleston like, once in your life, twice in your life. But Charlie Whiting, all the time. He was your go-to to, for the FIA. And he, I have to say, he was an absolutely great guy. He had just a brilliant manner about him. And all the drivers felt they could go to Charlie with any issue, be it someone's cut the corner and overtaken me, or a bigger issue or a smaller issue. It doesn't really matter. Anything, you'd go to Charlie. And every weekend, the drivers are having a meeting with him, seeing where we are with the rules. What about the future of the sport, the safety of the sport, every single aspect... And, um, yeah, he, he just dealt with issues very well to, to sort of kind of be the friend of the drivers, really, whilst that also being quite firm when he had to as well. 
one of the most remarkable things about him was that he was a go-to guy for everybody. You know, the teams, the drivers, even the journalists. We weren't supposed to go and speak to Charlie, but um, if there was anything that you didn't understand, you'd go and fight your way up to his office because sometimes you had to get past a couple of security people to get there. But knock on the door, if he'd, he'd either say, come in or wait if someone else was in there. He'd talk you through whatever the situation was. Uh, and he, he always had time, no matter what it was, phoning him up in the off-season, whatever, safety, technical matters, drivers, uh, just just a remarkable character. And to do that, to basically police Formula One for 25 years and stay on friendly terms with everybody speaks volumes for the character of the, of the man and he is very, very much missed. He was just a very nice man as well. Like he, I remember the first Grand Prix I did for Five Live and I, we had to do a piece with him and he was just incredibly lovely. He just bought us a glass of wine and we all sat there and chatted and he was just, in general, a really lovely person. Quick word also about Nicky Lauda. So much has been said about Nicky. It's an overused word, but he was an inspiration to so many within the sport. And, um, uh, and another sort of go-to kind of character. You, you, you could walk up to Nicky and get an opinion on it, just about anything. Great, <laughs> great for a soundbite. I mean, you might have to bleep out half of it. It was usually pretty much the same opinion on it as well, wasn't but it? I love the fact that it was... It was bold. <laughs> it was just... He was a joy. He really was. If you sat down with him and talk, and spoke about the old days, you spoke about his accident, you spoke about anything, he was absolutely frank and... Uh, I, Willing I'm, as well to always talk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I still miss that moment of clarity that he would give us. Yeah. Well, all sadly missed. Let's move on to round four. It's been a testing season for Ferrari and especially for the new team boss, Mattia Binotto. His drive has finished fourth and fifth in the championship. Uh, a season marred by mistakes, controversy, some unwelcome headlines as well. Uh, so out of 10, this is the question, out of 10, what number did Bonotto give regarding his enjoyment of the season? Uh, one <laughs> as team wow. boss, uh, one being no enjoyment, 10 being maximum enjoyment. So, so what uh, mark uh, for the season did Binotto give um, one uh, for no enjoyment, 10 being maximum enjoyment. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you think it's somewhere in the middle, but I don't know. Um, Jenny's, Jenny's written down for us <laughs> one to 10 on the piece of paper. That is really well, not assisted in well, any way. Well, he is famous for his mood swings. Uh, yeah, tough old season for Ferrari, to say the least. I mean, what was going wrong there? You watched Grand Prix after Grand Prix, and if they could get it wrong, they got it wrong. The ultimate thing I saw, actually, was on, uh, I think it was someone on Twitter, said in Abu Dhabi, if, one team, if someone said before the race, one team is going to try and double stack their pit stops and lose a load of time because of it, <laughs> you would only get one guess as yeah. to who that team was going to be. And that kind of summed it up. Like everything they could get wrong, they did get wrong almost. Yeah, it was a baptism of fire for Bonotto, which was a shame because the character of the team publicly and in the paddock had completely changed in a positive way this mm. year. Uh, Mauricio Rivabene, the previous team boss, was a very, very difficult character. And he basically put a blanket ban on the media dealing with Ferrari at all, which is a very odd way of behaving when you've, you know, you've, you've one, of the, one of the biggest brands in the world and, you've got, and you're responsible for its public image. But um, Binotto changed that completely. He was warm and welcoming. Um, press conferences revived. You could talk to the drivers. Um, interviews with the written media and the drivers, all these things were going on and uh, a much more pleasant environment. But things kept going wrong in the same way as they did before. And I think one of the questions is, is that, is that just because he hasn't had time to stamp his authority on the team and bring that more sort of prof professorial approach, calmer approach that he's been trying to bring? Because it looks like it's, that's quite a job of work. Or is that never going to happen? And I think I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt and see how it goes next year, because they do have a lot of changes to make in terms of mistakes in strategy, mistakes in qualifying, driver management. And driver management is probably the, the biggest single challenge he has going into 2020. Well, it was always going to be a tough challenge with Leclerc performing as he did and, and Sebastian Vettel having um, uh, a tough old time. How do you see that relationship how do you see Vettel's season how do you see Vettel's future now I think he's going to quit 
Do I you? think I think soon. I think he's lost something. I said this. I think last year when I interviewed him, and he something was different from when I first interviewed him, where he still had a spark and he still seemed interested in the sport. And I don't think it's anything to do with he's had extra kids and he got married and anything like that. I don't. I just think he's fallen out of love with it. And I don't know if that means he has to go to another team or whatever it is. But where do you go from Ferrari? Like yeah. you don't go anywhere. I just I just feel that he's fallen out of love with the point of the sport. Next year's win or bust, isn't it? Basically, staying with Ferrari, the same rules, the same teammate, nothing really is changing in the team. If he doesn't beat Leclerc, or at least be right there with him throughout, he's not going to stay at Ferrari for 2021. But why does that... he can beat Leclerc. Leclerc's beating him in poles, he's beating him in points, he's beating him in wins, That's he's beating him in a qualifying head-to-head. And that was Leclerc's second season in F1, his first season in Ferrari. How is Vettel going to turn that around? But why does being beaten someone mean you have to quit? I, that's not the point I made. I said no, no, no. But you said he was going to like. Well, that's, yeah, because that's, I feel that's like that's he's a that's a journey. Uh, it's a good question for is you right now man? with Alex Jakes. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, Jack. <laughs> he's not going to be though. He's not going to be a Raikkonen, is he? He's not going to want to stick around and be and just go to like Alfa Romeo. Like that's not going to be something he's wanted. He, he's going to. He's a very private driver as it is. He's going to decide. I'm done. I've made the money. I've done what I meant to do, and I've, I've, I will leave. But Vettel's and he's a. Quite a normal guy as well. He hasn't got social media. He's not caught up in the bubble of Did you everything. associate with him more than others? I didn't have much to do with him at all. Did you ever play backgammon with him? I never played Does backgammon play with backgammon? him. He plays backgammon you... with Bernie Eccleston. Okay. I, was, I wasn't in there in a circle. Did you lie on the wall for that one? Either, to be fair. <laughs> but did you look you'd, you'd at lose him your spark like... pretty quickly playing backgammon <laughs> with him. <laughs> Can you play backgammon? I think it's a... No? I, look, I can. I'm very okay, good, fine. actually. But... Um... <laughs> I could have gone professional if you hadn't have been an F1 but driver. I never had a game with Eccleston or, or Vettel. By, asso- by associates, I mean, did you look at Vettel and be like, okay, I get you more than these guys who think they're sort of a big deal? Not really. Everyone's, everyone Fine, thinks they're a big deal. <laughs> well, sorry, sorry for answering your question, Jack. Um, <laughs> no, I just asked Jake. I can understand him, but you can sort of see a lot in, in a lot of the other drivers anyway. Fernando Alonso was always quite quiet. He was on social media, but mm. he was always quite quiet and understated. But when he would raise a point in the in the driver's briefings, it would be very thought out and actually mm. not quite as trying to raise a point for the sake of raising a point, which, believe it or not, some other drivers try and do. Who? Who? Come on. Come on. No, I'm not dubbing anyone in. Massa. He, Massa. Massa. <laughs> <laughs> He's not in Formula One anymore, I can say it. <laughs> so, Charlie, are we allowed to cut the corners and gain an advantage? Pfft, still not, Felipe. Jo- You've been here for about 15 years. <laughs> You're also not in Formula One anymore. You can say anybody. Yeah, you can say anyone. Who else? Grosjean. They're, they're all my mates. Well, Grosjean, really? Not all. Um, <laughs> for, me, for me, if Vettel was going to quit, he would have done it already. He'll see out next year unless he gets an absolute trouncing in the first five races. And... We think you'll quit halfway through the season. Halfway. Why do you not think you will? Well, do you do you really think a, a driver of that caliber is going to leave halfway through? Absolutely not. He'll stick it through. I love and it. And then Benson is just the gauge of everything I say okay. because as soon as I say anything that he's <laughs> doing, he on my like, side as, as soon as he remotely disagrees with me, he just holds his head in his hands and say, "What the heck am I, I surrounded <laughs> with?" Fine, but he's not. He wouldn't leave halfway through, would he? I don't know. I'm just stroking my head. he's not going to leave halfway through what number did Benotto give regarding his enjoyment of the season Uh, one being no enjoyment ten being maximum enjoyment seven so Andrew and Claire you go seven (laughs) team Palmer Jolian Um, we we think six Uh, you think six Uh, he's still quite (laughs) chirpy then with a six and a seven I was going to go six. So let's go. Should we go f- f- five? I was going to go. I rate five down. I was going to go five. Great. All right. Let's see what uh, Benotto had to say. What is it, the magic number? I think overall it has been an enjoyable season. I think that's more important. Difficult, challenging. I learned a lot. Uh, and I, I simply like to, to remember all the enjoyments as first. And could you give me a number of enjoyment, one to ten? I think eight. Oh, eight. Eight. That's and this is reaction. the problem with Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, that sums it up. <laughs> What's he going to go for if they win the championship? He can't say that. You've got to give yourself somewhere to go. Exactly right. Can we so get half a point for being closest? No. 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 You don't no, need no. the extra help. 
So, nice try. Uh, what effect does that have on Is the that score? Not what he said the last well, very little. Uh, <laughs> team Benson now ten points, uh, and Team Palmer nine points, and Team Gao six points. But a lot can be made up in the next couple of rounds. So. We've got a quick fire round as well, which is going to clean up some points too. Uh, right, the fifth and penultimate round, uh, and for this uh, little soundbite, it's over to the Williams F1 driver, George Russell. Hi guys, sorry I couldn't be there with you this evening, I'm out for dinner with the boss and uh, I need to keep them happy, but I do have a question for you. If I was to round up my season using three adjectives, what would they be? And you get a point for each answer you match with mine. And it's just about the first time in the season he's been involved with points, isn't it, George? <laughs> but it's... Uh, points... Sharp. Po- points don't mean everything. He's had a fantastic season, actually. The, the young drivers that have come through have really proved a point, George and Lando Norris in particular. All, th- all three of them have been terrific, I think. I mean, Alex Albon, too. Uh, Norris, for me, gets Rookie of the Year, but uh, only because it's hard to judge Russell because what was Kibitza's level, his teammate, Robert Kibitza, who came back and it didn't work out for him after eight years out with all the injuries that he sustained uh, in that rally accident in 2011. But, um, yeah, Russell, uh, I think there's a sense that he's now sort of leapfrogged ahead of Esteban Ocon as the sort of next in line at Mercedes. Oh, really? Because uh, so, Ocon's going to Renault next year in place of Nico Hülkenberg. I wouldn't be surprised to see Russell in a Mercedes down the line, perhaps not in the, too distant, in the not too distant future. Um, if you're Toto Wolff, for example, and you've got, say you've got Hamilton or Verstappen as your lead driver for 2021, who are you going to put in the second car? Is it going to be Bottas or Russell? If Russell has another season as strong as he did this year, you might be tempted to take Russell, especially with all the information they have from him driving the car in tests. The only, my only caveat to that is that Ocon is going to be up against Ricardo. Russell is going to be up against Latifi. And I think Ricardo's a much tougher opposition than 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 Latifi so it's going to be another year that's hard to judge Russell in yeah agreed yeah. so but I think this has been a really nice year for rookies because you know the top three in the Formula 2 championship joining F1 that hasn't happened for a for a long time yeah. that they yeah. the three go straight up you know yeah. when Jolian won Formula 2 he had to sort of sit out and wait for a year as yeah. a test driver and then get his promotion to F1 so it's been really nice to see these that rookies should happen year on year shouldn't it agreed yeah and it was the same for Van Dorn and for Gasly as well yeah. straight after me there was a, there was a run of us the problem i think for Russell and Ocon coming back well with Renault but um Verstappen Verstappen's going to be the man that replaces Hamilton at Mercedes. And that's going to mean that being a Mercedes junior, I still you think... You reckon? You reckon? That's done deal. Well, you reckon for 2021? Yeah, I think it could be. How well, the, when Hamilton Hamilton goes, I'm, saying, I'm saying if Hamilton goes to Ferrari, Verstappen will be in that Mercedes. Mm. That's, that's Palmer's prediction. 100% if Hamilton goes to Ferrari, Verstappen will be in Mercedes. If... It's a big yeah. if, though. I don't like dealing in it. I don't like rumours. I, you know, I, I want to hear it officially What do you prefer, from... Tusk? I want to hear it officially oh, from Eddie Jordan. Uh, <laughs> one of the good stories about um, uh, the 2019 seasons, the, the, the resurgence, if we can call it that, of McLaren. Um, and um, they're fighting back. And uh, the driver lineup that they've got, Lando Norris and Carlos as well. Um, I mean, it, it is a sort of dream combination from a team manager's and, a, you know, the team management point of view, isn't it? There's a really good atmosphere and, and feeling about that team at the moment. They've made huge steps with the car. Um, like, a, like in comparative terms, it's like a second and a half quicker compared to the, uh, the, the fastest than it was in 2018. Uh, the new team boss, Andreas Seidel, looks very effective. He's uh, direct and straightforward and making good decisions, and um, there's a real positive vibe there, and the driver line was part of it. Carlos Sainz had an absolutely outstanding season, at, almost to, to the point that you almost didn't notice Fernando Alonso wasn't in the car anymore. And, uh, what? What a turn. And Lando Norris was, was, <laughs> you know, was also fantastic uh, in his rookie season, so I can only see good things for them going forward. So McLaren next season, or seasons to come, they're going to be top three contenders again? Well, this is, was my question to Andrew yeah what can they do McLaren moving forward then well this I, I think what difficult question because they're still a long way behind there's a gulf chasm whatever you want to call it between the top three and the rest I, I can see them moving forward maybe getting a bit closer 2021's their big year 
with the reset of the regulations, switching to Mercedes engines. Still can't see them being championship contenders, but they'll be expecting to sort of tag on to the back end of that league group by then, I would have thought. I think Which I think is realistic. Their driver lineup has been one of the most exciting, I think, of, of this season. If you put together Lando Norris, young British talent, I, I think Carlos Sainz was the forgotten man. And he was sort of, he was in the Red Bull project, got kicked out of there, Renault kicked out of there, you know, didn't really find a home. Finally, a bit like Jack Nichols, got a two-year contract at the beginning of this year, was able Never to relax, relax into the position and really find his feet. And there might be a young upstart in the team as well, He's but it's okay me. because... Oh, He's older than me. Jake's is older. Never He's mind. Ancient. You see the analogies I'm making. Anyway, I think they have been great for Formula One. They're both very active with the fans. They're both fun and engaging people. And I think even if McLaren can't get themselves a championship winning team, they have got themselves a huge uh, growth of support. And that's, that's a great thing for that team. Norris and Sainz have been great. Would Van Dorn and Alonso have got more points? I think yes. Do that's you? It. That's my little mic really? drop. Really? That's my mic drop. Um, what else is happening in the midfield? <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're wrong, Steve Ryder. Uh, Haas, Renault falling back, Alfa Romeo racing points. I don't think we even need to of, talk bit, about them. Bit of money coming into the midfield, one hears with um, Mr. Stroll and so on. I'm quite excited about the future of Racing Point. Are you? Are you? Yeah, like a little bit. Why? They've got mm. a bit of... Because they've always overperformed with not that much resource. But and then they have some resource be... this year and I feel that they've underperformed. No, but, they, but they've only got the resource since the tail end of last Begin, year. Yeah. So, so next year is going to be a big old watermark. And already they had lots going on, didn't they, throughout the whole season? Yeah. Have they underperformed this year? No, I think they've pretty much exactly performed. Do you not remember when Stroll was leading a Grand Prix? Yeah. No, no I don't. Wasn't that your favourite Grand Prix? Hockenheim. When was he leading? Hockenheim. <laughs> it was Germany. But you just said it was the, the best group. I don't think we should be leading everyone. No, yeah. no, he was. He does, yeah. He led you. in Hockenheim, but the TV never showed it. But because we're radio, we told everyone he was. Yeah. That's we, why you should listen to the radio. Uh, we never believe radio. You, I thought you, you, you need to see it on the telly going. for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go back to George Russell's uh, question with Williams. He had a tough old season. We asked George for the three adjectives that he would use to sum up his season, and, and let's see if you can match those. Uh, Jenny and Jack. Not strictly adjectives, but we're going for a oh. learning experience, tough and motivational. We've gone for four words and no adjectives. <laughs> that's all right, that's all right. None of them are right anyway, so... It's, uh, <laughs> right. We think it's been rewarding, Ooh. enjoyable, Ooh. and we've also gone learning. Uh, we've gone positive, learning, and happy. Learning's a verb. No. Yeah, I know, but shush. Let's hear what George said, whether verbs or adjectives or maybe something else. My three adjectives are consistent, challenging, and wild. Wild? Wild. Oh. They're all adjectives. Yeah. Clearly, we didn't have to spend enough nights out with him. Another move. <laughs> Nothing has changed in terms of the score, so let's move straight on to the final round. <laughs> final round, now this is where it all changes, is the quickfire round. Each team, and we'll go around uh, with uh, Team Gow first of all, each team has one minute to answer as many questions as possible. Ooh. And if you don't know the answer, say pass. You've got 10 questions. I might not get through them all if you linger too long. I mean, it's rare that Jack and, and I agree on anything. Well, there's no, no, there is not much really? room for discussion. Mm. Uh, team Gow, here are your 10 questions starting now. Who finished seventh in the driver standings? Albert. Oh. Go on to question number two. Charles Leclerc, full name starts and ends with the same letter C. Which other driver has the same letter at both ends of his name? Pass. Where what? was Vettel's only win of the season? <laughs> Where... Singapore, Singapore. Where was the seventh Canada. race of the season? Canada. Oh. That was weird. Yeah. Toro Rosso will have a new name next year. What is it? Alfatori. Which race takes place closest to an international airport? Uh, Abu Dhabi. How many retirements did Roman Grosjean have? You can contribute, Jenny. Eight. Who did Nico Hulkenberg drive for in his first season in Formula One? Force India. Who won? Williams. The <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I rolled on, Jenny, out. Jenny, we, we will take take Jenny's out. Who won the Hungarian Grand Prix? No, please. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't Eight, there. Close nine. stood in for me. Who won the know. fastest lap of the day? Hamilton won Hungary. 
We'll, we'll, we'll give you that. You missed out on the last question. I'm going to look at the small print of your contract and see if it's definitely watertight for next year. <laughs> the irony is I don't have a two-year contract. Like, literally, this could be my last appearance on Five Live. <laughs> There's no reason why this couldn't be. Jack, we're all going to miss you, man. And, and oh. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Formula One isn't his number one sport. He, he, is, he, is, he is battling here. He's yeah. handball, yeah. isn't it, or something like that? Very <laughs> right. <laughs> Snowboarding. Every race live on the BBC Sport website and iPlayer. Let's give you the FIA Formula E. Answers, first of all. Uh, seventh in the driver standings was Gasly. I said that. Charles Leclerc. Uh, first and last uh, letter uh, yep. is Lance Droll as well. Oh, uh, Vettel's only win of the season was Singapore. Sort of, you did. Uh, where was the seventh race of the season? Canada. Tor Toro Rosso, you got right. Alpha Tori. Which race takes place closest to an airport? Mexico. Oh! How many retirements did Roman Grosjean have? Seven. <coughs> Who did wrong. Nico Hulkenberg drive for in his first Williams? season? Williams. No, I got that one wrong. I got that one wrong. Uh, Hungarian Grand Prix was Hamilton. Yeah. And you didn't get to question 10, which was who won the fastest lap award in Australia? Bottas. Bottas. You get five points and it brings your total up to 11. Great. We're really in with a chance of winning. We should go in reverse order like Mastermind. Like I think that was all right. Should we go? Uh, oh, team Palmer. Right. One minute, ten questions. Are you ready to go? Yes. Here we go. How many pole positions did Charles Leclerc get? Seven. Who finished tenth in the driver standings? Perez. What was the name of the typhoon that disrupted the Japanese Grand Prix? What was Renault's best finish? Fourth. <laughs> Who? Uh, well, yeah. Which driver's first name starts with the same letter as his surname? Pass. What, what, the, Dutch so the Dutch Grand Prix. Dutch Grand Prix comes after which race next year? Is it Dutch, Dutch Grand Prix comes after which race? China. Do you know this one? <laughs> I can't, uh, Monaco, maybe? There'll no. be a few Canada. for Stafford uh, fans. No, it's, uh, uh, I'll move on. Which race takes place closest to the equator? Ooh. Sao Paulo. Ooh. How many points did Lewis Hamilton get this season? Loads. <laughs> He's not 12 wrong. seconds left Bottas had two DNFs one in Brazil where was the other? Germany. Germany who won the fastest lap award at Silverstone? Lewis Hamilton yeah right you strong. have got and Vietnam strong Vietnam we had time bit to answer a, Vietnam a bit of a wobble oh, in the middle you think you had time <laughs> uh, still few uh, pole positions for Charles Leclerc seven yes uh, tenth in the driver's standings was Perez Hagibis was the typhoon <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it can still produce the unexpected this I'm, done, I'm, I'm out on that what do you mean still <laughs> Renault's best finish Ricardo fourth in Italy uh, Alex Albon his name starts with the same letter as his surname Dutch Grand Prix comes after China next year uh, Singapore is closest to the equator 413 points for Lewis Hamilton this year Bottas DNFs one in Brazil the other was Germany as you said and the fastest lap award at Silverstone was to Lewis Hamilton. Six points takes you up to a total of 15. You only got one more than us, and you gave us a lot of... Jakes, he started passing all the easy ones. <laughs> <laughs> team Gowan, 11 points. Uh, 15 points for Team Palmer. And uh, Team Benson, you are carrying in 10 points, so you would need six to win in the quick-fire round. Six out of 10. Good luck, guys. I'm are you ready? Sure. This is, this is more exciting than the World Pipe Championship down. season. <laughs> And here we go. Which two circuits are geographically the closest to each other? Poor Ricard and Monaco. Who finished 18th in the driver's standings? 18th. Are you kidding me? Lance Stroll. Where did Mercedes secure the Constructors' Championship? Japan. How many letters does Antonio Giovinazzi have in his name? Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> No. no. What is the date date of next year's Australian Grand Prix? March fifteenth. Who was the last winner of the Dutch Grand Prix? Uh, Nicky Lauda. Leclerc had two DNFs. One in Germany. Where was the other? Um, Twenty seconds left. Bahrain. Pass. <laughs> How many times did Norris outqualify Science in the McLaren? Are you talking on merit or are you talking in the stats? <laughs> Eleven. 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 Where was Alex Albon's first race for Red Bull? It was Belgium. And who won fastest lap award in Italy? Uh, Bottas. Right. Oh. I think it's going to be close. I love oh. the fact that you wanted a check on that. Two circuits, 
geographically yeah, ours were harder. the closest to each other are Monaco and Paul Ricard. That was strong. Who finished 18th in the driver's stand is Grosjean. Oh. Uh, Mercedes secured the Constructors' Championship in Japan. It's 17 letters in Giovinazzi's name. Oh. Uh, 15th of March for the Australian Grand Prix next year. Nicky Lauda won the Dutch Grand Prix in 85. Leclerc's DNFs, uh, Germany and Monaco. Norris out-qualified Sainz in the McLaren on 11 occasions. Alex Albon's first race for Red Bull was in Belgium. And Lewis Hamilton won fastest lap award in Italy. Which gives you from that round uh, six points. <laughs> oh! And a grand total of 16 I w- points. I won't and sing. <laughs> Andrew and Claire, Team Benson, our winners. And wow, I mean, the adrenaline is pumping. And it, is really, <laughs> it has really got us in the mood for what lies ahead next year. Can I just and say quickly, it's very nice on behalf of BBC F1 team that Andrew Benson actually turns up for a quiz after the, uh, the F1 team's pub quiz in Belgium. Yeah, this is fair comment. Yeah, I did blow you out. But I, it'd been a, yeah, Benny and yeah. the Jets... I BBC have to F1 say, team, the Jets turned up. Andrew Benson had an early night. Oh, I, 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 have I to, redeemed myself the next day. I do have Too to say, I, an hour ago, I saw him in the local shopping centre looking very lost. And, and I, was able, <laughs> I, was able, I was able to point him in the right direction, and it has paid off. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, all, all the best for next season. Run out of time. One last question, which appears to be the norm for all live, uh, five live sports programmes this Christmas. I want your moment or your race of the decade. Are we serious? The decade? Oh. We're running out of time? Uh, <laughs> right. Race of the decade. Uh, Jenny, first of all. Uh, Canada 2011, Steve. It was an amazing race. Jensen Button ended up last at one point, came through to win it. Everybody in the pit lane and paddock was ecstatic. And it lasted the longest duration in F1 history. So it has to be the best race. Okay, Jack. I will say 2012 Brazil, title decider, Vettel spins. Can he get back through? Yes, he does. Spoiler alert. I go Spain 2016, Max Verstappen winning, youngest ever winner. And uh, I was standing at turn seven when the Mercedes took each other out at the start. And everyone went wild. When they took each other out at turn four. (laughs) (laughs) The whole crowd. (laughs) I'm I'm saying Valencia 2012, just because... I was there racing GP2. Fernando Alonso came from outside the top 10 in a pretty average Ferrari. Home race, home crowd. He literally passed on track nearly every single car until he got to Sebastian Vettel, who was romping away, and the Red Bull broke down. Alonso won the race, and it was one of the most epic moments being at the track. Do you know what I'm really annoyed with you? Because that was my race of the decade as well. Um, for exactly those reasons. You would all have mocked me if I'd said it first. So this is your chance to say something else? No, I'm not <laughs> going to. There was some fantastic oh, races. Bahrain 2014 was brilliant between the two Mercedes drivers, Hamilton and Rosberg. Uh, there's been some really high, you know, dramatic climaxes to championships, Abu Dhabi 2010, but race of the decade, 2012 Valencia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine's completely different. Um, I'd say, I think it was Austria 2015, which was my first race for Five Live, and I had to interview a driver live in the pit lane. And <laughs> the first thing that I said to him, I was with, Alan McNish at the time and went to say hello Fernando Alonso and instead I said hello Alonso with panic um, did it the other day as well to Bottas and Jack's never let me live it down ever ever hello Alonso it's very it's very boarding school to just use their surnames it's like cricket isn't it <laughs> yeah. cookie cr- yeah Anyway, well, that, thanks for all that. Well, I, I will spoil it all by saying my race of the decade was round 30 of the British Touring Car Championship. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, Brands Hatch in October. A lot of people compare it to the German Grand Prix uh, this, this when's, past year. When's the first race of the 2020 British Touring Car Championship? Uh, we're at Donington in March, end of March. End um, of March? That feels, feels a bit vague. Yeah, well, it's a very long <laughs> meeting as well. <laughs> <laughs> it can't compare to what lies ahead for you lot as well. We'll be back, or you'll be back, ahead of the Australian Grand Prix in March. Andrew Benson, of course, will keep you up to date on all the news between then and now on the BBC Sport website. This has been an IMG production for BBC Radio 5 Live. Hi everyone, I'm Jen. And I'm Jess. We're the hosts of the beauty podcast Fat Mascara, here to tell you about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum. We often interview dermatologists on our podcast, and two of their favorite skincare ingredients to recommend are retinol and vitamin C. This Strivectin serum has both in one lightweight layerable formula. It also helps to smooth fine lines, and it's clinically proven to visibly brighten and firm skin. If you want to learn more about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum, Visit strivectin.com.